Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here as always. Thank you for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 313. We're talking restaurant ROI on mental health. This kicks off Mental Health Awareness Month. You're going to see tons of collaborators, tons of content this month as this is really the focal point for us. And wanted to start with this discussion today because we sometimes are trying to separate the human and the business in the reality and it's of this industry and it's so intermingled. So I wanted to really kind of break that down because I think one of the ways that we can move forward in this is if we start to think about how we invest, we invest emotionally, we invest financially in our most valuable asset. You hear me say it all the time, our people, our people, our people. So we're going to break that down uh, Two amazing guests. We're going to talk to really leaders in the space. Uh, Sell from not nine to five org is going to join us as well as Patrick uh, from I got your back. And they're going to help us break it down a little bit. We're going to break this down into three parts. I want to understand the costs uh, associated with the lack of mental health support in our industry. I want to understand the cost associated with investing in supporting mental health. And I want to understand the ROI of all of that effort. And just for everybody, content warning, uh, we may and probably will end up uh, touching on the ultimate cost of suicide in this episode. So be aware of that. If that's something that uh, is so you don't want to hear about, completely understand, just know that we will navigate into that space. All right. With no further ado, I want to bring Estelle in now to kind of kick it off with us. So good to see you. Hi, thanks for having me. I mean, an honor. Truly, you're leading the way. I've learned something from you every single time we interact, including just about three minutes ago for the way we're going to lay out this episode. So I appreciate that, uh, that leadership, the voice that you are. So just quickly, give everyone kind of breakdown. What's uh, 9 to 5 all about? Give us a little bit kind of your background, the trajectory, and the work of the business. Sure, no problem. Um, I grew up in this industry. I love restaurants. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship. Um, just because, you know, anyone that listens to your show, <laughs> I think will appreciate that comment. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love restaurants, you know, and I have a real hard time with the experiences that I had growing up in them. I traditionally, uh, mostly, sorry, I mostly worked traditional front of house roles, uh, all the way up until owning my own restaurant at one point. I sold off a few years ago, so no longer do, but I'm definitely still connected to the community and now am the uh, co-founder and executive director of Not9 to5. If anybody doesn't know, Not9 to5 is a nonprofit global leader in mental health advocacy for the food and beverage sector. And how we do that is through practical education and community building. Uh, we are you know reimagining the industry and by breaking stigmas and by fueling hope. So that's who we are, that's what we do, that's what we believe in, you know, and it comes from real lived experience of uh, over two decades. 
I love that. I I love the fact that you're 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 setting high expectations for us. There's a big vision. It probably will not be achieved in our lifetimes. Yet we're laying groundwork for the fact that future generations, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 150 years from now, have a foundation for the kind of work that we b- believe in. So I'm a big I'm a big buyer into what you're talking about. And I love not nine to five this is the name of an organization. I talk a lot about like we just were this we just were different. We didn't want the nine to five. I didn't want the cubicle with the suit and tie. So I love the, the name of it. Yet with that comes a lot of vulnerability. We we were the island of misfit toys for long enough. Now we have to figure out how to do some grown up stuff. And it's really challenging because we we went from being outcasts to the cool kids to the establishment, and we did not do a very good job of making those kind of life transitions. So I'm very fascinated in that as at a high level. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, I want to bring in Patrick, Patrick Mulvaney, now our second guest. Uh, good to see you as well, Patrick. Good morning, nice to see you. All right, break it down for us a little bit for those who don't know, uh, what's the work that you're doing? Give us a little of the, the backstory, the trajectory for you. So we have a restaurant here in Sacramento, California, and in 2018, we had a lot of challenges with uh, people, uh, death by suicide. In the first few months, we got together, just like you said, what's that transition to adulthood? Uh, In other words, what's our responsibility as chefs and owners? What could we do? What, What were we doing that we shouldn't do anymore to make mental health better? And with the help of Lots of community partners, uh, politicians, hotel, uh, hospitals, educators, everybody. Uh, the community really came together and created this program. I got your back. It consists of establishment at the top of saying it's okay not to be okay and having uh, peer resources and support in, in the restaurant, which we already have, right, sometimes because you know that Yana the doula is the one that everyone talks to or Dan, the crazy bartender, or Jensen, the funny uncle. Um, and then the third the third piece was to provide resources so that if people w- were facing challenges anywhere on the mental health spectrum, there was somewhere to go. Not necessarily, it's not necessarily a direct line, but hopefully you're, you're gonna find something that right. you can find along the way, which is how I met and came to admire what Hassel and Ariel have done up there with Not 9 to 5. It's, it's really great having having pushed myself and, and our team and Sophie, who's here behind the scenes, to really understand what's happening in mental health. You know, we, we kind of, we pretended for a long time, we had this tough guy, tough gal mm-hmm. mentality, and, and we just pushed through and persevered, and our ability to counterpunch is strength and vulnerability. Like, it means that we can be in the moment, yet it means we never think ahead and think of ourselves. So I appreciate both of you. It's, there's so many great connections, and the, the fact that the two of you already have a strong relationship. It's uh, it's felt like everybody who's doing really difficult work. And we've already mentioned suicide twice in this episode. Difficult, real, life-altering, life-ending work uh, is very accepting of other people who are willing to put in the time and the effort. So I've appreciated both of you for bringing us into your community and allowing us the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility to share your work and the work of everybody involved. So thank you. Uh, to the two of you. So, Hassel, for you, I want you, you're thinking macro. You got a lot of big picture things. You're paying attention to the national, international studies around this stuff. And Patrick, for you, your fee in the streets. You're you're in the restaurant. Hassel and I both had to dip out and sell our restaurants. And so, so much respect for you 
for staying at the helm because it is unbelievably challenging. We're going to talk about burnout a lot this month. So uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about kind of the cost associated of, of losing people within the business, losing people at their lives, what that cost is and how we understand it and reconcile that. Then we're gonna talk a little bit about where and how we can invest. And then we'll talk about the actual return on investment. What are we getting back from that? So, so if you can break it down for us a little bit, a couple of the, the, the big ticket items, what do we need to be thinking about when we're talking about the cost associated with a lack of support around mental health? Absolutely. Um, so, I think, you know, you have to start with the biggest one, which is life. The biggest cost to not investing in workplace mental health, the biggest cost to not addressing these issues in the workplace is life. Is that, you know, we've seen an increase in suicide. Um, there's a very high rate of suicide, unfortunately, uh, already pre-pandemic. But um, the Washington Post put out an article recently um, speaking to the increase in suicide um, during the pandemic. And, you know, during the pandemic, in, one in four said yes to seriously considering suicide in the last 30 days. And that is an age group of 18 to 24 years old. So when I read that, I mean, I think of our industry. I mean, so much of our industry is a young workforce. And it's really terrifying to think that, you know, and to backtrack just a little bit pre-pandemic, so a survey we put out uh, two years ago, also in 2019, we asked uh, our community, you know, do you live and work with mental health and substance use challenges and or addiction? And 90% say yes. So it's not like a small percentage of our industry. And that, by the way, that second study, that was industry specific. So that was to our own community. That was all over North America. Front of house, back of house, restaurant owners, you know, um, catering, you name it. There was so many roles listed in the people that took that survey. So I think to start, like, yes, we validated that there's an elephant in every room of the hospitality outlet, which is mental health and substance use challenges and or addiction. And, you know, then you start looking into, okay, how does this show up then if you don't deal with it? So costs are increasing suicide. Another cost, a study that um, was put out by Seven Shifts in 2019 that started to really focus in like, okay, so all time high, you know, of turnover was 75% in early 2019. So what does that cost? You know, if I'm like, yeah, high turnover rate is a normal part of the industry. Why are you bringing that up? Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah, like, you know, this is normal. This is what we deal with. Well, if you start a year with 20 employees and you have a employee turnover rate of 75%. When you break that down by the end of the year, that means, you know, 15 of your original team members are gone. So that's, you know, three quarters of your team that you started out yeah. at the top of the year, by the end of the year are gone. So, okay, what does that cost? Well, for hourly employees, that averages to about $6,000 <sighs> per person a year. So that's a total of $90,000 if you're talking of a team of 20. Um, so that's a huge cost when you think about it. That's not a little small amount of money. And, you know, I think the, the other piece to really highlight also in terms of um, cost is that our, our, our industry has already been rated one of the worst for workplace mental health. So again, this isn't like, you know, my opinion. These are studies, this was a study done by Mental Health America in 2017. And they rated all the industries and the top three. And I always like to highlight this because sometimes we only think of restaurants. 
but our industry goes beyond restaurants, right? Our industry includes distilleries, breweries, wineries. It also includes consumer product goods. If I make mayonnaise, for example, I'm an artisanal mayonnaise, you know, maker. I'm also part of this industry because I'm also, you know, showing up at events. I'm also dealing with, you know, hospitality in um, different ways. And the worst industries and unhealthiest for workplace mental health are manufacturing, retail, and food and beverage. So when you think of those kinds of businesses, that includes all three. That means you're manufacturing retail and food and beverage, right? Um, and I think that that's really important to highlight because sometimes we only think of our industry as restaurants and we're just, we go beyond restaurants. Our industry is so, so, so vast. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately the last um, other study that came out around workplace stress and the connection to death and the cost to the healthcare system. So in the US, uh, 120,000 deaths per year are due to workplace stress. Um, the biggest in the calculation that they calculated that contributed of that 120 was 49,000 were due to lack of health healthcare benefits, so healthcare insurance, so access to healthcare. Um, when we talk later about the ROI, like one of the one of the biggest things is offering people benefits, and if you can't do it directly, there's other ways that you can still offer benefits to people if you can't direct them, you know, directly to healthcare, um, because other, you know larger, a third of the deaths that they calculated um, were around job insecurity and high work demands. So you can easily eliminate that if you just reevaluate and re, you know, um, reimagine what job security looks like for people, you know, or how um, stress shows up in the workplace. Like those are things that are, that you can, as an owner operator or manager, reimagine. It doesn't have to, you know, continue to wait. Um, so those are some pretty high level costs, I would say. Um, and later we'll touch on the ROI and, and the flip side to when you do actually invest in workplace mental health. Right. And so I wanted to point that out because uh, you are you are such a, a shiny optimist and and all of that. Just I'm very depressed right now. We're going to have to build up to crescendo to, in this episode. I feel uh, it's important, though, because we can't keep just patting ourselves on the back of all the great things we've done. And we've done lots of great things. Uh, there's a couple things I want to unpack for what you're talking about. The, yeah. the age group that you're talking about, it's very easy. And everybody knows that I will not ever adopt the kids these days bullshit mentality. I'm so grateful to kids these days for highlighting the stuff that we did wrong. So the ways that we built this industry. So I appreciate that. 32% of our industry is between the ages of 16 to 20. Another 30% of our industry is under 30 years old. So the impact that we're having on kids these days, big air quotes, needs to be at the forefront of the way we're thinking about our, our businesses, let alone the impact we're having on humans, vulnerable, impactful humans that are impressionable, looking to us for leadership. So I want to make sure we understand that. To take the numbers you said even further, the 73% turnover rate is exacerbated by the fact that our lifespan of an employee at a restaurant is 56 days. They don't even make it two months. That's the churn rate that we have, which is unbelievable. An industry standard for any professional uh, worker above the age of 18 years old is about four and a half years that people move jobs. 56 days, four and a half years. We have to reconcile. That is a major gap. And a lot of the ways we're building this industry have fed that. So I really appreciate you pointing out a couple of those numbers. 
Uh, we had to get heavy right away. We knew that that was going to be the the responsibility of this episode. So appreciate that. Patrick, whew, all right, where do we go from here? Uh, touch on that a little bit. I know that you've seen a lot of these things play out and I appreciate Vassell um, for laying out the, the high level things. For you, how is this playing out in the restaurant? You mentioned 2018, you had issues with uh, loss of life. You changed the way that your business was operating. Talk about some of the cost that you saw that you decided you needed to do something about? What were those practical things for you? So when we started to pull it together and, and started getting advice from people, one of the first things we did was look for our friend, uh, Noah Zanka, and his family lets me tell the story. Noah was a beloved chef in Sacramento and had been declining and we hadn't seen him in six months. And I sent his mom a note saying, uh, hey, where's Noah? Hoping that she'd say he's in rehab. He loves you guys. He'll be back soon. And she sent back a note saying that she hadn't seen him in a year. We think he's living by the river. And if you see him, tell him I love him. So three weeks later, uh, they did. They found him by the river and he was by himself. And everybody's crushed, right? I mean, this is someone that we had been friends with growing up for 20 years. And, and the thought of how we let that happen, even though you can't, you can't control it, right? But our thought about what's that responsibility there. And and I was on the phone with his son, who works for us, and uh, got off the phone to say, we need to have a memorial uh, for him. You don't, your family might not want it, but, but the city needs it, right? Our community needs it. And so he had said, yes, that's fine. I got off the phone and my friend who runs a hospital who was helping us organized, looked at me and said, hey, chef, you look like shit. What's the matter? I said, well, this is what happened. I just had this real emotional phone call. And she said, well, we have a meeting on Tuesday and we're going to start working on it. Next day, I was getting on a plane. My wife called me in the morning and said, Bourdain is dead. Uh, so I got to spend a weekend with 15 chefs in upstate New York. It was the best probably place to be. What I didn't realize was how much Bourdain had affected the community at large, because to me, he's one of us, right? He's a cook. Um, but we came back that Tuesday, we had the meeting, people sitting around a table and as, uh, chefs, we are impatient and like to get shit done and, uh, sitting there with people saying, let's have a meeting, let's plan, let's study. Uh, my friend, Jonathan from, uh, Wellspace, which is a center that helps with crisis healthcare for people said, chef doesn't like to wait. They want to move fast and they don't mind failing. How long before people can get here? So 10 days after Bourdain died, we had the bright lights, the 15 chefs and restaurateurs and the bright lights of mental health in Sacramento, really most of California, sitting around a table talking about what we can do. And and the truth is that that while they said, you know, here here are some outlines and here's how we move forward. The truth is that it's that at more than kids these days thinking that we had to teach them was that kids these days taught us, right, showed us yeah. what we can do. And the important piece for us, as as hard as this has been, is is the the vulnerability, right? And the reason that it that it began was when we did gather for Noah's memorial, and there's hundreds of people here, and we were outside roasting farm animals over open fire, as we do. Um, that the kids saw how broke up we were, right? The old the old guys and girls, like how much this affected us. And that vulnerability, rather than being weakness, 
turned into a real strength because then when we started saying, this is important, don't do what we did. What's better? We need to work together to get a better way. It wasn't, it wasn't just your parents yelling at you, right? It was that crazy uncle, like you said, right? Who's saying this is a better way to go. And, and from that we've gotten, we've, we've moved forward a lot, right? And people outside our world tell us that, that because of, I got your back, we've changed the Sacramento has changed the way they talk about mental health. Patrick, you're a great storyteller, man. I'm always, I'm always so devastated and inspired every time I, I listen to you. And I think that's, I think that's the point for you. What I'm hearing is it didn't matter what the cost was for the business. The cost of life is always out exceeds everything. And if we are actually, if we are actually in the relationship business, then the relationships that we build, that we cultivate, are more valuable than any product we create, right? And so you have a moral obligation to build a business that is, sustains the humans that are actually part of that relationship. And so I, I really appreciate the fact that you're, you know, doing that work and putting your money where your mouth is. And you know, I'd, I'd say that suicide, right, is the is the end, the worst of all possible results. But as we've gone through, we want to acknowledge that the whole spectrum, anxiety, depression, substance use, self-harm are super important. And if they are happening to you, like we realize that that we want to get you that help, right? At that as soon as we can to be able to say, let's mit one, not so that it doesn't go further, but two, to help you. And the other piece that happens then is you're a cook and you've been out on a toot for four days. You're not going to tell me, the chef, that you have a problem with substances. Yeah. But if I say to you, hey, you look antsy or you're not performing, right? You seem depressed, then maybe we're going to begin the conversation and get you to the help you need by starting down at the lower end of the spectrum. We're going to keep you, either help you with a problem that's further down the line or prevent you from getting that far. Yeah, I really appreciate that because sometimes we feel like if we haven't hit rock bottom, then our problems aren't problems because somebody else has worse problems. And we sometimes project that in both directions. So I appreciate that. And what you're highlighting, too, just for, for everybody tuning in, is really this week, this episode, this week, all the content that we're focusing on is really at the procedural, the restaurant policy level. What are the things that we're doing to understand the business model? Uh, we'll then go into talking about day-to-day -day operations, some of the ways we affect the the business and the humans in that you know the fire that is the restaurants then we will get into some of the interpersonal how we support people uh mitigating and conflict resolution being some of that and then also we'll talk about outside of work so just kind of lay that groundwork so we will get into all of those topics today focused on the numbers a little bit more the cost so i want to touch on this a little bit very specifically because Everybody tuning in right now is like, I see it, I feel it, I've been there, I've done that, I've experienced that to some degree, we all have. I, I don't know what to do. So I want to talk about a couple of practical things that people can do, where and how we can invest some time, effort, and money into this. And, and this is great because, Hassel, you have a program. Patrick, you've taken that program. Touch on that a little bit, and maybe maybe let's let's talk uh, not just about what somebody would take away from this, but I do want to get practical dollar amounts. We need to start to build these into budgets 
so they don't become some frivolous spend or something we never spend. It's something that is core to the way we build the business. So Hassel, break it down for us a little bit. What can we do? What's one program training that we can take? Um, before I start on that, I just did want to highlight that I do think the biggest ROI is what Patrick mentioned, which is suicide prevention, right? Yes. So if the biggest cost is life, then the biggest ROI is that prevention piece. Um, and we really can't, like, I, I just needed to highlight that because thank you for mentioning that, Patrick. And it's so, so important to think about because if you can catch it, you know, at that stage, then it never develops to that next stage. Um, so I, I love that piece. In terms of ROI, yes, there has been um, studies done around the specific workplace ROI uh, for mental health. And there's a study done by Deloitte Canada recently. Um, but, you know, I just want to highlight, although the, the specific numbers and stats are Canadian, this does apply for all of North America. And the companies that they did it with are large, massive corporations that also have presence around the world. Um, and, and actually, the WHO has also done studies on this. So this is you know, there's global studies around this. This is not just particular to Canada. I know that oftentimes when people read data, they're like, oh, it's not in my country. It's not relevant, but not true. Um, so Deloitte uh, found through many um, years of study that after just one year, your annual return on investment ROI for every dollar invested for workplace mental health programming is $1.62. So within a year, if you spend $10,000, you'll get a return of $16,200. Um, after three years, the ROI more than doubles to $2.18. And this is really interesting because oftentimes we don't think about labor as an asset, but it right. is. Humans are the biggest asset of any business. People, We are in the business of people. We just happen to be serving food and drink. So like you said, we're in the business of relationships, we're in the business of people. So we need to be investing into people um, so that we can see these returns over time. And you know, maybe in our industry, those numbers would look even higher or different because we're starting at such a negative. <laughs> we're in the red when it comes to this stuff. We're not even like in the black, we're in the red. So you know, I, I find it really interesting. Um, the other thing you touched on too was so the course we built is connecting primary concerns. Really excited to uh, yeah, let on, you know. Let's, are... let's, stay, let's stay with those numbers. You kind of flipped it on us. Okay. okay, I'm with you 100%. Let's talk about the ROI. Uh, Deloitte does okay. a lot of studies, and I read a lot of Deloitte studies, and most of them make my, my eyes bleed because I don't understand what they're talking about. This one I like because it's very simple. Yet yeah, somebody's like, I invest a dollar into mental health, and I get a dollar sixty-two back. That doesn't sound like a lot of money. You have to extend the math out to, would you do a million dollars in revenue? Do you, how many employees do you have? Do you have 50 employees? Like you got to extend that math, uh, 218 per. The thing I thought was most interesting is a lot of people that are telling us what to do don't take their own medicine. Deloitte specifically said that they went from 300 per person investment in their own, their own staff mental health to $4,000 per person. Per person, I know. Oh, they invested a significant amount of money recognizing that they're like, what are we doing? We're telling people, we're finding all these numbers and we're not actually taking our own medicine. And they did. And so that to me is a, a pretty big indicator that that they're paying attention to this, this number. So, uh, so 
let's say with the ROI, and then we'll we'll finish with talking about the specific program. But Patrick, for you, you have invested significant time, money, effort into in, into the mental health of your team, of your community. What have you seen as an operator, as an owner who is looking at those thin margins, who's looking at the PL, who's looking at the cash flow, who's recognizing that the fact that you're investing in this puts you at a competitive disadvantage from somebody else who's buying cheaper food, buying cheaper labor, right? And, and you're having to reconcile that. Break it down for us a little bit. When you're thinking about the, the return on investment from a practical standpoint for you, uh, how are you reconciling that on, on the books actually? So right now there's no labor, so it doesn't matter whether it's cheap or not, yeah. given the pandemic. But the but the ROI, uh, a lot of it goes to what Hassel said, right? How not having to retrain people, and then what happens in terms of productivity and morale, right? When all of a sudden you are yes. you're working at the B and L, and they talk about mental health all the time, right? That one one all of a sudden people get to say they get to talk about things and improve their uh how they're feeling about themselves because of the permission if you will that that you know the, the environment that's been created um the second piece then is that you are um showing off right you are you get to take that out with pride into the community and that helps keep more longevity and more uh more uh stability in in the company which then for us which is super important helps to keep your culture strong right because if you're turning over 75 percent it's difficult to have that culture and for us the the pieces that that we do we we say now that that what we've gone from is how you doing which is what we say in new york to how are you really and it's that space between comma and really that gives people the opportunity to come in and and express how they're feeling, and and the ROI on that space between comma and really is acknowledging that that people are your most important asset, and that we you know I say that we in hospitality hospitality is our superpower, right? How are you? Is this what did you like everything? Are you comfortable? Is the air right? Do you like coffee hot? Drink cold? Whatever. Um, but this is the first time where we've taken this superpower and turned it on ourselves. And the biggest hurdle is giving ourselves permission and also giving, giving ourselves permission and giving everyone else permission to give themselves permission to turn it on themselves. Oh, I love that. We're so good at asking questions to the guests to understand their experience. And then we turn our brains off when we when we look at ourselves. It's like you leave everything out on the field, so to speak. There's nothing left for you. So I appreciate that you're asking that meaningful question, uh, not just a canned question. Canned questions get canned answers. How's everything? Everything is fine. So I appreciate that you're not doing that, internalizing that same thing, which I which I really love. Have you have you seen a, a reduction in turnover based on the new models that you're laying out at uh, Mulvaney BNL? Uh, yes, we did before before the pandemic, but now now it's super challenging, right? Because what we're doing, and again, hard to navigate change, right? So it's difficult to get people to buy into the idea that when we were talking about mental health as health, that it's okay. Right, that it's okay to talk about it, and it took a long time, and some folks yeah. bought in right away, and some folks took a while, 
some folks came back and said, you didn't talk to me about this. I said, well, no, you made, you thought it was a joke. You were already doing it, but, but now you're here. Welcome aboard. And, and one of the interesting things for me is that this was, this was all about congregate settings, right? This box behind me, right? You come in and put in your card for those four colors behind you. Are you happy, neutral, angry, or in the weeds? Patrick, you have the talk box. About that's it. the box? Should yeah, that's the box. The box. Over here. I need to see the box. I've heard tell of the tales of the box. I love this. So when we when we started, right, my wife said, this is really cool, but all these propeller heads that are helping us don't don't necessarily know how we work, right? Because we are English as a second language for lots of us, because many of us don't read, because many of us just aren't in this piece. And we're in a restaurant business that's fast. You come in, colored cards, you put you put that in into the box, and then Oh no! Wait, no, uh, Patrick, yeah, no. No, this is a cliffhanger. Don't tell us anymore. They have to check in next week <laughs> because next week we're going to talk all about that box. I just love that the box is there, and I wanted to tease people a little bit. You have to come back and learn about the box. This box is could be one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen because it's so it's so built into a sustained effort. It's very simple and kind of it it, it de-escalates me because I don't feel like it's that heavy. And it just looks adorable. Like, I love everything about it. So we're going to talk about that next week when we talk about pre-shift check-in. How we check in with ourselves, just like we talk about low calls, features, 86 items, new wine on the list. We're really good at that. Let's use those superpowers, like you said, and apply that to checking in with ourselves. I love it. The box has been there the whole time. I didn't even know it. It's amazing. We're going to talk about that next week. Absolutely. Dig into that. All right. So... One thing I want to throw out there, totally random, but as you're talking, and I mentioned the competitive disadvantage, and we'll probably, you'll hear a lot more of this from me. I want to shift the things that we value in this industry. Like, I want to start to have James Beard Awards for best dishwasher, for person most likely to pick <laughs> a shift for somebody else. I want people to spend money at places and know what's the average tenure of an employee there. Now, the higher you rank on that, the more value you have to me and my community. What is the average pay that you have for an employee? How much money do you invest back into your community? Like these are the metrics that for some reason we don't spend a lot of time talking about. And I want to turn the competitive disadvantage of investing in the things that we all value into a, an advantage in the market from a practical standpoint. So uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that. But I want to hear you saying these things about the way that you're investing these need to be the things that people know about. Like the Google page shouldn't have three dollar signs to know how expensive something is. <laughs> they should have three of those smiley faces to know how much money you invest in your people. We shift that, we change everything. So I appreciate the groundwork. That's a whole nother month of episodes, but I just, I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I had to throw it out there. Let's, let's wrap because uh, we want to. Uh, let me just say, let me just say, please. Jensen, that that, 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 that does, happen already, right? That our community embraces Mulvaney's B&L in large part because of the things we do. Because what we did when we started 15 years ago was to hopefully to create a place for people to come and discuss the issues of the day. And now they do. And now from 15 years ago, like you said, the bad boys and on the outside, now we become right smack in the middle of how to make everything better. And it's our responsibility to make sure as we're trying to make our city better, our region better, that we're bringing along our whole fam our restaurant family with us. 
I absolutely love it so much more for everybody. You're going to see and hear a lot more from myself and Patrick. You're going to see them here, articles, resource lists, clubhouse. We're going to be all over the place this month. So know that there's just going to be a lot more of this kind of amazingly, again, devastating and inspiring banter because we need both. We need to understand the reality and we need to understand the path forward. So let's get very practical at the end here. I'm into it. I need to take the first step. What do I do? Hassel, you have a program and Patrick's taking it. So it's great. We have the testimonial and the resource in one place at the same time. Break it down for us a little bit because I think it's a great first step for any ownership leadership to take in any part of the hospitality industry. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, so the course was built from, you know, industry leaders, industry professionals. It's been written, designed, developed by us for us. Um, you know, we had so many different kinds of uh, people from the industry help us with it. And we uh, have taken it offline for a few months to input all the feedback we received. We kind of put out like a beta version originally and then took it offline. We've been upgrading it. The new version is coming out later this month. And it is really about the primary concerns of the hospitality and food service industry when it comes to mental health and substance use challenges. Um, this is based on our own research. And, you know, we cover all the high level topics of, you know, depression and anxiety are always number one and two. Following that is, um, you know, anything. Yeah, so tell tell us what it's called and make sure people get into the comments because we'll have a link directly. Yeah, to absolutely. It. It's called Connecting Primary Concerns. Um, so primary concerns being the main five primary concerns of the industry. Connecting stands for change needs everyone coming together because we really believe that the only way this is gonna happen is if everyone buys in. And um, there will be a link and you can, you know, you can you can link to it from our website, which is not95.org, uh, the nine and the five being numbers. And you can sign up right now and, and by entering your email, you can also download the tools for free. They're downloadable PDFs. Um, and, and really what you'll get from this is a really, easy to understand basics on mental health and how to develop those support skills for yourself. You know, like you said earlier, um, Patrick, turning it inwards, this care needs to now turn inwards. We've been output for, you know, centuries now in this industry. We need to also turn it inwards and also to how to actually hold space and how to develop those support skills for those around you. Um, oftentimes, the biggest thing I hear from this industry is, I don't want to talk about mental health. I don't know what to say. I'm not a counselor. You know, I'm just a bartender. You know, I, I it's really not about being a counselor. I always like to explain in the same way. If I sliced my hand in front of you, I wouldn't want you to stitch me up. I would just want you to stay with me and support me till I got to the help I needed. It's the same thing with mental health. If I have a panic attack, you're not my therapist, but you can stay with me until I figure out you know, what the best, what you, you help me figure out what the next best step is to do. Um, and having those resources ready and having your team trained up on these things, it doesn't have to cost much, right? There's going to be a small fee associated with this course. It's $35 Canadian, which in American, I think is even less, you know? And so I think that what you do see from investing, another thing I wanted to highlight in terms of ROI, they're not numbers. But one thing I think gets forgotten often is that we are in the culinary arts. So we're in a creative industry as well. And one of the biggest things that increases when you increase psychological safety, when you invest into workplace mental health is that you increase creativity and you increase innovation. 
Um, and I think that that's something that our industry could benefit from as well, because when you have these environments, it keeps us stuck, right? We're kind of, we need this like software upgrade to keep us moving into the future. Um, and my optimism comes also, you know, you touched on optimism earlier, Jensen, and I just wanted to end on to give optimism to others. This is not new in other industries. This is just new to our industry. So that's why we can, you know, talk about these numbers is because other industries have already benefited from investing in workplace mental health. And now it's time for us to do the same. Mic drop, respect. With Patrick, you, <laughs> you, you took this training, uh, you know, was it worth the $35 Canadian that you spent on it? And, you know, give us, I want, Patrick, I need you to sell this course to the other cooks out there going, I don't need that. Like that's for somebody else. The value that you saw in taking something like that. So, yeah, I had the $35 Canadian in my change draw, so I was good. Um, so here, here's, here's what comes out of the program, right? It organizes and aligns you so that you can create a place where, where you can come, where you can listen. Like Hassel said, you can just hold their hands. You can get them to the resources that they need. So, so to have it for me as a cook, right? I like mise en place. I like lists. I like to know to have my shit together, to have a book, man, that you can go back to. Just like the one that's in my back pocket that lists how to do that is really, really valuable. Here's the second thing that happens that's important is that it's going to make you feel smart because a mountain of the shit you're going to learn, you already know. A mountain of the stuff, the techniques that you're going to learn, you're already doing, right? And then that gives you the power to go out and to reach out to others who can do the same thing, right? And it's a flower that blossoms. And and I think I push a little back against you, Hassel, that that other industries have done this because as we've started, we've had cops and firemen and nurses oh. and the arena came in to say we want to help you for ticket takers and you know for the people in concessions yes but ticket takers and ushers and most important we want we want to use this program for the people that set up and break down basketball concerts ice capades whatever because they are the most disconnected we never know how they're doing and this program is going to help us bring them in we're going to help improve their mental health and the bottom line too for the ROI, we're going to bring them in. They're going to become part of the family and they're not going to turn over as often. Let's go. I love that. What an opportunity our industry has to actually be at the forefront, to be leaders within what's happening. So much respect to that. And you all know me, mental health, mise en place. What are the superpowers that we have that we can deploy against the things we didn't realize were fundamental and foundational to who we are? and the type of businesses and communities that we build uh, could not be more inspired. What a way to kick off this month with the two of you. Uh, I could literally talk to you guys all day. We're gonna call that a wrap for this episode. Uh, Hassel, Patrick, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thanks for the collaboration that we're gonna be seeing all month long. And we'll let you both get back onto your days. I appreciate both of you for being here. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon, buddy. Bye, Take Hassel. Care. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode, a long episode and a great episode. It was important for us to lay a lot of uh, groundwork. So be sure to get into the comments and into the description. Make sure that you link to a lot of resources. There's so much out there. Uh, take that first step. If you're an owner operator or if you're somebody working in a restaurant, make the request. 
the $35 Canadian, it's there. It's worth it. It's the first step. That first step is always the hardest step. Start there. If nothing else, start there and start to think about those superpowers that you have that you're able to deploy, that make you who you are. That's what we need to get out there. That's the opportunity that we have. That's it for this episode. Workplace is worth working. You know how important that is to me. This is episode four of that series and Besser Podcast 313, talking about the ROI, top ROI always is life. And everything from there is important in the way that we build the structure of this industry, of these businesses, of the communities, of the people, the relationships that we forge because they're everything. That's it. Appreciate you all. I hope that all of you have an amazing day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.